mornings. I'm Chris Oaks. And coming up today, did you know that Ohio is among the top five states for dog attacks on letter carriers? We'll tell you what pet owners need to know for Dog Bite Awareness Week. Also this morning, to your health, one in five Americans lives with chronic pain. And there are plenty of quick fixes out there. Dr. Andrea Furlan explains why they don't work and her eight steps to conquer chronic pain does. And it's time to fire up the grill. Former MasterChef judge Jamie Gwen will share her easy ways to elevate your menu and make backyard entertaining easier this summer. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. So as expected, got more candidates jumping into the race for the Republican presidential nomination. Chris Christie yesterday. Mike Pence has now officially entered the race today with a video that was posted online announcing his candidacy formally. Again, it was like for both of them, we knew they were going to run. We just, you know, when were they going to announce officially? Kind of like uh, Ron DeSantis a few weeks ago. We knew he was going to run. He was acting like he was running, but he wasn't officially running until just a couple of weeks ago. Speaking of uh, Ron DeSantis, who is still in second place uh, behind former President Trump for the uh, GOP nomination, still very early, of course. But Ron DeSantis did something yesterday that was really interesting, not in his campaign for president, but as Florida governor which, of course, he currently is. But who knows? This might... I think it will be interesting to see if he makes this part of his presidential platform as well. says here on the Newswire, Florida governor and 2024 Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis is taking aim at big tech. The governor on Tuesday signed legislation known as the Digital Bill of Rights. Now, again, this is just Florida. Uh, He says the measure will create privacy protections for residents of the state by giving them control of their personal data and banning government officials from coordinating with technology companies to censor free speech. The law will also require search engines like Google to get permission before they can collect and sell user data. It is scheduled to take effect, this measure, in July of next year. So, I think this is the first, this this may be the first state to implement a digital bill of rights. Are there other states? that I know there's been talk of some sort of digital bill of rights at the federal level, but this may be the very first. It will be interesting to see if he makes this part of his presidential campaign, but it is... A new measure in the state of Florida that the governor signed yesterday. This is not getting a whole lot of attention in the national media, but I think this is a significant story. So kind of interesting there. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day to start off your midweek Wednesday. You know how this spring particularly has been marked with a number of violent and deadly instances that have stemmed from tense altercations that people have had with their neighbors or even sometimes complete strangers in public places across the United States. You know the stories that I'm talking about, right? We don't have to rehash all of that. Well, at least one researcher 
is blaming all of this on the pandemic. It says this out of control rage has resulted in the deaths of a number of individuals all stemming from a get off my lawn logic. And uh, research points to people becoming more protective of what they perceive as their own personal space with the onset of the pandemic and historical data reports major differences in what people can consider to be their personal bubbles uh, in the uh, culture. So kind of interesting. I just thought this was uh, I think I saw this uh, the Daily Mail, I think, was the uh, story. But at least one researcher saying that this all comes from the pandemic and the way we describe our personal space, the way we define our personal space in the wake of the uh, pandemic. So one more thing we can blame on COVID. This nonsense of all of these uh, crazy shootings and such that we have seen across the country. Here is uh, the story that you have to be afraid of today. Every day, it seems, there is another story in the news of something we have to be afraid of, fearful of, worried about, etc., etc. And now, the artificial sweetener Splenda is coming under fire for causing potential damage to your DNA. Uh, The popular artificial sweetener is a common diet ingredient in sodas, gelatins, frozen desserts, and of course, you can buy it to put in your recipes, you know, Splenda. Uh, It says you can even find it in over-the-counter medicines like Tylenol and Pepsid. I did not know that, but uh, both contain Splenda. A recent study finds that the top-selling sweetener has the potential to break down DNA, which can eventually lead to cancer. So, that's what we're worried about today. You always have to have something to uh, be worried about. Apparently, apparently, Splenda can break down your DNA. Which is more? Which is more scary? The headline saying that it that Splenda can break down your DNA, or that it can cause cancer. I'm thinking the break down your DNA thing is kind of sounds worse than the cause because it seems like everything causes cancer at one level or another. Um, but this whole break down your DNA thing is a little bit frightening. So, uh, speaking of food, this was a story. Boy, I don't even remember where I saw this one. Um, I should have noted that a professional restaurant critic and food expert has shared his tips on what to order when dining out. So if you are on a hot date, do not order mac and cheese because these types of dishes are often pre-made and lack fresh ingredients. The same critic goes on to say that chicken and scrambled eggs are other dishes that can easily be overcooked or not properly prepared so people who are dining out should avoid those dishes he says steak is the safest bet um of course you may have to fork over a little bit more money or dine at a more high-end restaurant but steak is the uh so i'm thinking i saw this story and the reason this caught my eye i'm thinking if you're ordering uh scrambled eggs and or mac or mac and cheese on a hot date you got more important things to worry about 
than whether or not the ingredients are fresh. You know, if that's what you're ordering on a date, you got some bigger problems <laughs> you're going to have to deal with. <laughs> and uh, lastly, among the first things that you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, See if you would be up for this. A group of surgeons from West Virginia, uh, West Virginia University, WVU, have now tested a device that connects the human brain to a computer. The, that's right. The, uh, apparently, it's an implant they put in your brain that connects your gray matter to a supercomputer The technology was designed by a neuroscience startup company based in New York, which claims that the system can read, record, and map electrical activity in the patient's temporal lobe, which is the part of the brain that processes sensory input. The pilot study, and they've done this now on a human being at West Virginia University. They've tested it on a human. The pilot study marked the first time the device was used on humans. And going forward, the hope is that it can help map the human brain and assist in diagnosing life-saving brain developments like uh, tumors or seizures. They can develop treatments for tumors or seizures. And so the big question that this, I I think this one was uh, from uh, Wired magazine. I saw this uh, story. So my big question here, and I think about this, would that be something you would be willing to do? To implant a device in your brain that would connect your brain to a computer and allow it to map and record basically your thoughts, your brain activity. Even with the benefits, potential benefits of being able to treat These conditions, which are debilitating, no doubt, and it's a great medical breakthrough, but would you be willing, would you be comfortable enough with the idea of putting, implanting a device in your brain, connecting you to a computer? I mean, that's one of those things like, I I get all of the benefits, I just don't know if I'm comfortable with the idea of hooking my brain up to a computer. That's that's a pretty big sell. You know what I mean? That's, even despite the benefits, I don't know. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies are expected today with a high in the mid-70s. Just a few clouds tonight, a low around 50. A lot of people are going to be visiting Finley for next April's total solar eclipse. We could have an influx of three or four times our population over a three or four day period. To, you know, triple your population for three or four days, that's significant. Finley Service Safety Director Rob Martin says ensuring it's a safe and enjoyable event for everybody is all about the planning and getting everybody on the same page. The Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has created a website with a bunch of information on the eclipse, and we have a link to that website with this story on our website. 
The Ohio State Highway Patrol is asking for help as it investigates a road rage shooting. The incident happened on the Ohio Turnpike near the State Route 4 interchange just south of Sandusky. Troopers say it happened on the evening of Tuesday, May 9th. The victim, who was not injured, told troopers a man shot at him following an altercation in the eastbound lanes of the turnpike. Officials have since released photos of the individual they believe is the suspect as he was exiting the turnpike in a white four-door sedan on U.S. Route 250. Dave James, I went in news. The village of Ottawa is celebrating the beginning of its Main Street Corridor project. The downtown revitalization project will redevelop multiple historic buildings and is designed to foster small business growth and economic development. Included in the revitalization will be new professional offices, overnight lodging, retail, dining and hospitality, co-working and event space. Get more details on this downtown Ottawa revitalization project on the website. Two Ohio State Buckeye legends are the newest nominees for the College Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. A tweet from Ohio State Football congratulating James Laurinaitis and Chris Ward. Also on the ballot, legendary head coach for the Ohio University Bobcats, Frank Solich. He's the winningest coach in MAC history with 115 wins. I'm Clay Gordon. The Lipsick Community Center held a grand opening recently for its new Mercy Health Fitness Center. The community center is located at 120 East Main Street in Lipsick. See some pictures from the grand opening on the website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, you know, despite their reputation as man's best friend, dogs can be anything but to letter carriers. This is Dog Bite Awareness Week, with the U.S. Postal Service reporting that their letter carriers have fallen victim to dog bites over 5,300 times in 2022 while trying to deliver the mail. Leanne Therio is USPS Manager uh, of Employee Safety and Health Awareness. Leanne, so the familiar cartoon of the dog chasing the mailman is a little too true to be funny for you. Yes, it has become a real problem for the employees at the United States Postal Service. And I am told that Ohio is among the top five states for the most dog attacks on postal workers. Yes. In fact, Toledo has had 20 incidents last year and Ohio had 359 last year. Wow. So, uh, you know, statewide, it's basically one a day and uh, a couple of months uh, within our area. So, so it's not just for the letter carriers, obviously. This can be a serious problem for the general public as well. Yes, it can be. We don't have specific general population statistics. However, you've already stated um, the 5,300 postal workers last year that have yeah. been bitten by dogs. And, uh, you know, the dogs don't know a postal worker from anyone else, so it can be just as easily as a, uh, a civilian as it is uh, a, a postal uh, uh, worker. So what are you asking dog owners to do? As we mentioned, this is Dog Bite Awareness Week. How can we minimize these numbers? We're asking dog owners to teach their dogs appropriate behavior, also teach them commands and make sure that they know their voice. So if they're saying sit, stay, they hear that. Also keep them restrained and not roaming freely or behind a fence so that the letter carrier doesn't have any issues while they're delivering mail. 
And again, these uh, will be things that will help prevent all sorts of uh, dog bites. And by the way, it's not like uh, all of the onus is is necessarily put on dog owners. I understand that uh, how to approach a house to deliver the mail without alarming a dog that may live at the home is actually part of the training that letter carriers receive. So you are trying to do your part not to trigger a reaction when you can. Yes, we train our postal employees all year round um, at the onset of their hiring and all through um, their career with the Postal Service. Talk a little bit about some of the technology as well that the Postal Service is using to protect its workers. We have scanners that the carriers carry with them that will alert them of a dog that is nearby at a delivery they're coming up on so that they can be aware of their surroundings and start looking to make sure that the dog isn't free roaming or loose. Also, the customer can um, get informed delivery, which will let them know when a package is coming to their home so that they can have the dog restrained or inside when the employee is going to deliver the package to their door. What are the ramifications for uh, individuals if uh, if their dog uh, uh, bites or uh, attacks a, a letter carrier? I mean, I would imagine that there are penalties involved, aren't there? Yes, they could be responsible for employee injuries, um, employee uniform, and employee wages. Um, hmm. If that become if that should be the case. And I, I guess uh, there's also the possibility that, uh, you know, if a dog is dangerous or the postal employee feels that uh, a, an animal is dangerous, they can refuse to deliver to an address. Can they not? Yes, they can um, stop delivery to that home as well as the whole street if necessary. Mm. Um, and they would have to pick up their mail at the postal um the local postal service. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Not just for you, but an entire street. You don't want to be the person who is responsible for uh, forcing your neighbors uh, to uh, not get their uh, mail delivered to their home. That's not going to make you very popular on your block. So uh, again, it, it's just a reminder for people to do their part to make sure that their their dogs are are not becoming a nuisance for letter carriers or really anyone. That's correct. And they can get information um, at USPS.com, searching National Dog Bite Awareness Week, as well as a blog explaining the campaign details, and on our social media website at hashtag Dog Bite Awareness. I'm talking a lot about it this week because, again, as we mentioned, it is Dog Bite Awareness Week. Leanne Thurio is uh, USPS Manager of Employee Safety and Health Awareness. Everybody want to do their part to keep everyone safe. Leanne, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us on. your health this morning. In North America, we are facing a crisis of chronic pain. CDC numbers show more than one in five Americans live with chronic pain. And with a potential market of 50 million plus people, quick fix methods are everywhere. 
Aside from the amount of money being spent and often wasted trying to find relief, it is also a contributor to an overdependence on opioid pain relievers, which is another whole part of this dynamic. Dr. Andrea Furlan is an associate professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto and a staff physician and senior scientist at the Toronto Rehabilitation Institute. She is author of the new book, Eight Steps to Conquer Chronic Pain, a doctor's guide to lifelong relief. So, Dr. Furlan, right up front, let me ask this, because like we said, there is plenty of quote-unquote expert advice everywhere, and it's just like with diet and exercise, a lot of money being spent on stuff that just doesn't work. So how do we know that your eight steps are any different? (laughs) Yes, I don't claim that I have the magic wand, Chris, to fix everybody's chronic pain, but what I can do is help them to conquer which means living a very good life uh, with, despite having chronic pain. I have done this for 30 years. That's uh, how long I've been helping people and doing science in this area. And I have had many people who came back to me saying that they are ready to tackle the next mountain in their lives because Mm. they conquered chronic pain. So talk a little bit about, first of all, as we get into this, uh, the the reason behind it. I mean, why is this such a pervasive problem? As you mentioned, one in five Americans live with chronic pain. That is an astronomical number. How do we get to that point? Yeah, um, those numbers come when, when you start adding people that have low back pain, neck pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, nerve pain, pain that they developed after an accident or after surgery. They had uh, diseases like uh, diabetes or shingles that damaged the nerves. You, was, you start adding all those numbers and then you see why there are so many people. And low back pain is the number one mm-hmm. cause of chronic pain. And we know that um, it's because Pain, everybody feels pain in life, right? Uh, pain affects 100% of individuals except for a very rare disease that people are unable to feel pain. But what happens is this pain that they feel from a disease or injury or a illness then becomes chronic because it sensitizes the pain system. So the injury itself has healed, but the alarm system keeps the- going on and on and on. Yeah. And and so the pain uh, remains. But it's uh, because, I mean, like I said, this is so common. It's not like I could understand why uh, this it continues to be a problem if it is something that only affects a very few number of people, because there wouldn't be a whole lot of research into this and and a whole lot of resources uh, dedicated to uh, to beating this. But it's like this is so common. You would think that the scientific research would be to the point where you know, we could do something more effective about it, but it doesn't sound like really there's a whole lot that science has been able to come up with in terms of a solution. The science has been great in terms of fixing acute pain. So when pain starts, that is acute pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, there has been a lot of uh, discoveries in treatments like anti-inflammatories, acetaminophen, even opioids, they are great, but for acute pain, a pain that just started. Yeah. But when there is that transformation from acute to chronic, the field, the science is 
relatively new, Chris. It has been advancing more in the last uh, 20, 30 years. So many doctors don't even know the difference between that chronic pain can be the disease itself. That's just the pain that is lingering, the alarm that is hmm. going off. Yeah. But the the disease already has healed. So that's where your book comes in, and your eight steps to conquer uh, to conquer chronic pain. Basically, these are lifestyle and mindset changes. Yeah, some yeah, some of them are, but some of them also use medications. I'm not against medications for chronic pain. I think uh, what is new in the book is that uh, we need to know what is chronic pain because not all chronic pains are the same. People may have chronic pain because they have fibromyalgia, and that's very different than a chronic pain that is caused by a nerve damage due to shingles or diabetes, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to treat them differently. That's what I talk in the book. First, before you even start the eight steps, you need to know what is pain, what kind of pain they have, and I talk about that. And then the steps are finding you know, the lifestyle modifications that will help, especially if they have this malfunctioning of the alarm system, the solution is going to be lifestyle. Sleep is very important. Nutrition is extremely important because if they don't feed their bodies with the nutrients to make neurotransmitters, we will not do. Like I talk about an inner pharmacy that we have in our brain in, and your brain is able to produce opioids. Your brain is able to produce antidepressants and a lot of medications for anxiety. But if you don't give the chemical substances for your brain to produce those medications, it will not. And how do you open the doors of this inner pharmacy is by doing exercises for the body, exercise for the mind. And uh, so I talk a lot about this in the book. It's uh, changing your mindset, how you see pain, how pain is diagnosed and start making those changes, and then the person feels a very good quality of life. Some people still have pain for the rest of their life, but others, they will feel less and less and less pain. So, uh, again, just to clarify, you're not talking about learning to live with the pain. You're actually talking about uh, moving beyond it and and sort of... I guess for a lack of better term, uh, lack of better term, um, rewiring the brain and yeah. Uh, yeah. and and overcoming the, first the pain. Step, yeah, the first step you just mentioned. The first step is retraining the pain system. So again, if we can retrain, cali- recalibrate, retrain the pain system, rewire all of those are correct. The person will feel less pain because chronic pain sensitizes the pain system. All chronic pain sensitize the pain system. So once we calibrate, the person will feel less pain. But let's say that they still have some ongoing damage. Some people will have, like uh, as I mentioned, people with diabetes, they have this nerve damage that mm-hmm. di- it's caused by the high blood sugars. They will have this forever. And just recalibrating the pain system will not eliminate that nerve pain that they have. And so by doing the recalibration, they will feel less pain, but then they can also learn how to live with that residual pain from the diabetes without having to stop living their lives. Because Chris, what I see is a lot of people stop living. They just give up. They just stay inside of the bedroom. Yeah. Don't want to see people. Don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. And it's, and it's most extreme. This can be incredibly debilitating. 
So the other part of uh, the question that I can hear a lot of people uh, asking is, okay, so how long does all of this take? Um, again, mm -hmm. we're not necessarily looking for a quick fix. Something that happens, you know, something that promises overnight res results is probably not something that is going to be successful in the long term. But how long does this process take that you're uh, outlying in the book? Yeah. Uh, I have had people that had an amazing response within months and others that took a couple of years. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what age. I had a 90-year-old woman that had pain all over her body and she just started, you know, losing weight and exercise. She got a, a warm pool at home and she started exercising that warm pool every day. And Chris, she came back to me a couple of months later and she said, I don't have more pain. All of my pains are gone, even though she had arthritis all over her body. So it really, it's surprising. You never know. I tell people, don't lose hope. Start today before it's too late. Can this also be seen as a preventative type of uh, plan? I mean, the other part yes. of the statistic is that the vast majority of people will at some point in their lives experience some sort of chronic pain. So can this be uh, a way to sort of head that off at the pass? Yes, absolutely. For example, we know that people who undergo surgery, we know surgery is a very good <laughs> cause for chronic pain because they, you know, they cut the nerves and the skin, they cause some damage. We know that people who need to go to surgery, if they prepare themselves before, like even checking their emotions, are they kind of the person that is always pessimistic? We call this catastrophizers. Thinking differently about how you're going to feel after surgery, preparing yourself with nutrition and exercising, even before we call this prehab, prehabilitation, doing exercises before surgery. The incidence of chronic pain after surgery are very lower, a lot lower than people who don't prepare themselves mentally and physically for a surgical procedure. So, yes, there are a lot of things we can do teaching kids in school how to get prepared one day when they will face acute pain so they don't develop chronic pain. Mm. Again, Dr. Andrea Furlan is uh, Associate Professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto, Staff Physician and Senior Scientist at the Toronto Rehabilitation Institute. Her new book is Eight Steps to Conquer Chronic Pain, A Doctor's Guide to Lifelong Relief. Do you have a website uh, where folks can learn more about the book? Yes, uh, it's Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, AndreaFurlan.com. Good stuff. Dr. Furlan, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A woman who is a regular at uh, her local gym in Illinois had a rather embarrassing thing happen to her the other day. And, of course, because, as all embarrassing moments do these days, it has gone viral on social media. She is now something of a celebrity. Apparently, she was uh, running on a treadmill, and she does that regularly. She was running on the uh, treadmill at the gym while she was exercising when she had her pants ripped off by the machine. <laughs> the incident was caught on video and uh, continues to accrue likes and comments on her Instagram page. 
I mean, when these uh, things happen, you may as well embrace them. What was it the other day we were talking about the fact that we've all had these little embarrassing moments in life, and sometimes you just have to embrace them. You know, sometimes you just have to embrace. This is more than just a little bit of uh, of embarrassment here. She had her pants ripped off. She said, "I was just running at the gym, and my pants got sucked off by the machine." <laughs> She admits that she had set the machine to level 10, uh, which is, you know, pretty high level. And so, obviously, it was fast enough to tear her pants and leave her with only a top and some badly skinned legs from the waist down. (laughs) But it has gone viral, and she has become something of an internet celebrity. That is embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Uh, let's see what else is going on in the uh, broken news today. You remember yesterday we had the uh, story of the woman who tried to hire, t- tried to hire a hitman to what she wanted to kill the girlfriend of her best friend and running partner because they were going to move uh, someplace out of state and she didn't want to lose her best friend. So she decided the best solution was to kill his girlfriend. Well, uh, this is crazy. A 17-year-old teenager in Iowa now faces a felony charge of solicitation to commit murder for trying to put a hit on a 7-year-old. I kid you not, the 17-year-old girl attempted to hire a contract killer. No word on why. It doesn't say in this report why she felt it necessary. Um, But her plan was thwarted. When she Googled hire a hitman and she was redirected to the satirical website, rentahitman.com. Rentahitman.com. This is the, this is the thing. And I guess maybe it's young people uh, today. Do you not think that if you ran a hitman service, You're probably not advertising it on a website that says rentahitman.com. You know, that's that's probably not legit. Um, Believe it or not, this website, satirical though it may be, oftentimes have people try to legitimately hire hitmen, and they turn that information over to the authorities. And, uh, yep, in this case, the police department conducted a sting and sent an officer over to the suspect's home who confirmed that she did uh, indeed want to put out a hit on a seven-year-old. Crazy. I have no idea why. That's sad, really. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, (laughs) an unusual police chase in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Suspect is in custody after a slow-speed chase on a scooter. Traffic cameras captured the suspect riding his scooter the wrong way on a freeway earlier this week. (laughs) Police gave chase, and he took off. (laughs) The man eventually ditched the scooter and jumped into a trailer being pulled by a pickup truck. Short time later, though, police pulled the truck over, and arrested the suspect. It is unclear why uh, the man was riding a scooter on the freeway to begin with. Not really supposed to do that. And the wrong way to boot. 
couple of other items here in the uh, broken news this morning. This from the international file. A man from China um, apparently is not going to get his job back. Apparently, there was a uh, kind of a crappy situation that uh, came up at work when he was fired for spending a mind-boggling six hours daily in the restroom. Six hours in the restroom each day. Uh, During an eight-day period, Mr. Wang, this is the only name that I've got here, Mr. Wang visited the restroom over 20 times in eight days, according to company records. His employers decided that enough was enough and released him from employment, citing their rules on punctuality and commitment to the job. But apparently, Mr. Wang had undergone surgery for an intestinal problem, and the pain had persisted, so he justified his marathon bathroom visits, lasting anywhere from three to six hours a day, based on his health condition. Uh, So he appealed his termination to the courts, seeking justice. Unfortunately, however, the high court of China did not side with his... uh, with his argument. They did not buy his argument and they deemed the company's decision to be legal and justified. So, will not get his job back. Six hours a day in the restaurant. You know what? Just go home. If, if I'm working with somebody who's spending six hours in the bathroom, yeah, just go home. Just, just go home. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this also from the international file. And a German man has evaded jail time and received a very stern last warning from the court after being found guilty of dealing drugs for the 25th time. (laughs) For the 25th time. And the court and the judge said, now this is your last warning. I mean it. This is your last and final warning. (laughs) 25th time. It took to get to that final warning. The unidentified man told the court uh, that he needed to uh, he needed to make more money, that his pension of eight hundred fifty five dollars a month uh, was not sufficient. So he decided to supplement his income by selling weed, which is illegal for recreational use in Germany. Prosecutors urged the court to lock the man away for up to three years. However, the judges displaying a surprising dose of leniency, decided to give him a break again. He's 82 years old, so that might have had something to do with it. He's 82 years old. (laughs) The court labeled his latest offenses as less serious, taking into account his unique circumstances and his recent health woes. (laughs) Okay, I know this is... Your 25th arrest. This is the last time. This is the last time. I mean it. Your last and final warning. (laughs) There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, 
you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A new survey of 2,000 single Americans who are dating and or looking for a partner finds that when you go on a first date, you have only 19 minutes to make an impression on the person you're dating as to whether that they want to go out on a second date. Yeah, 19 minutes, that is the uh, average respondent knows whether or not they'd like to see someone again at the 19-minute mark of their first date. And, by the way, that may vary by age. Uh, the older a person gets, the quicker they make that decision. 67% of Gen Zers said that they have an even shorter window before they know whether they want to go on a second date. And 77% of Gen Xers said it doesn't even take them to that point, 19 minutes. So how do you make a good first impression uh, to the person that you're dating? If you decide you want to see them again, how do you ensure that they want to see you? Uh, Well, first, you might think physical attractiveness has a lot to do with it, but you would be wrong. Only 44% of those in the survey said physical appearance is important. More important, they say, conversational skills, 47% said that is a determining factor. 48% said a person's personality. And 51% said good manners will make that determination. So if you want to get that second date, work on your conversational skills, your personality, and your manners. Make sure that you get that second date. You're welcome. You know, usually it is on Fridays that we talk recipes. And don't worry, this Friday we still have another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen uh, that we will do. That's You don't have to worry about that. But we are going to fire up the grill this morning. And joining us to elevate your menu for your next backyard barbecue or summer gathering is former MasterChef judge Jamie Gwen. Jamie, what are... Some of the ways to make sure that we bring out the flavor of our grill. You have some easy ways to make backyard entertaining easier. I most certainly do. I'm very glad to talk with you. Thank you for having me back, Chris. And as we launch into summer, I think what might be my favorite season for sure. I am a girl at the grill and I want to give you the best tip you might ever get. And I mean that humbly to make you a (laughs) goddess or a god at the barbecue. I learned it from a grilling guru and I want to pay it forward and pass it along. Okay. There is something magical, truly magical about mayonnaise. It sticks really well to food. Yes. And when you brush your proteins before you put them on the grill and brush them with mayonnaise, I mean, it helps release food from the hot grill grate. And you get the most beautiful golden caramelization. So why are the grilling gurus brushing their ribeye steaks and salmon fillets and chicken breasts and lamb chops with a thin coating of mayonnaise? Because it helps the proteins retain moisture so they Mm. don't dry out. Okay. It locks in all the flavor and the juiciness. It makes a burger bun beautifully toasted. And it's a clean canvas. So you can flavor it 
with almost anything, right? I mean, chili paste or fresh herbs or pesto. Yeah. It is really a brilliant grilling trick. So hmm. try it. I mean, don't knock it till you try it. I know it sounds crazy. Some chef just told you to put mayonnaise on your ribeye. <laughs> but seriously. Yeah. It works. It does. And it works especially well on the leaner meats. Like I make my most requested summer recipe, which I think is amazing because it's absolutely delicious, but it's lean and clean. I make a spinach and feta turkey burger and I brush the burgers with mayonnaise before they go on the grill, especially turkey, which we know, you know, could dry out, right? I right. do a roasted red pepper mayo with this burger too. But I use Athenos feta to bring new life to my burgers on the grill, replacing the cheddar or the mozzarella. Uh, I, I happen to be a feta fan, and I love the tangy creaminess of Athenos. Athenos feta is actually the number one feta in America, and it comes crumbled or chunk, and it just adds such a flavor boost. Like, when I tell you, Chris, everybody loves this turkey burger, it's kind of amazing. My favorite Athenos feta is the tomato basil. Are you a feta lover? Uh, I will occasionally, but I'll tell you what, uh, hearing you talk about it, I oh. may have to try it a little more often here. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, I put it inside the burger, like as in mixed into the ground turkey, and okay. then I put it on top as well. But this is going to be a summer of big, bold flavors. So, you know, to think outside the box and elevate, that's what you do. You add big, bold, fabulous flavor. And, and feta is a one-ingredient wonder that way. Now, I have a summer-safe pasta salad recipe for you okay. that actually starts with a bag of Fresh Express salad greens. You know the kit that we all love from Fresh Express? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great as is. But why not take it to the next level? So I take their Fresh Express Twisted Pesto Caesar Chopped Salad Kit, and it has the crisp iceberg, the green leaf, the crunchy garlic brioche croutons, the Parmesan cheese. It comes with that creamy pesto Caesar dressing. And I mix it with cooked rotini or fusilli and tomatoes, and I throw in a handful of walnuts. And it is the perfect side dish. And I love that you can take a bag of salad and make it a meal, make it more, clean out your fridge, make a loaded salad and just add everything you left over in your produce bin, right? Sure. But Fresh Express gives you that base, that palate, you know, to build upon. My favorite go-to Fresh Express, by the way, for like just weeknight salad is the Butter Supreme Crunchy Salad Blend. It is so good. And of course, they're available at supermarkets nationwide. There's some great stuff there to make uh, your next backyard barbecue gathering, whatever it might happen to be, uh, just super easy and uh, will really wow your guests. Again, Chef Jamie Gwen is with us uh, this morning, and you've got more on all of this online, right? Yes, for sure. So post posted the recipes along with photos at dailylounge.com dailylounge.com. I'm on social at Chef Jamie Gwen, where you're about to see what I call my red, white, and blue flag kebabs. <laughs> this is perfect for 4th of July. Um, it's quick, easy, fun, party dessert, really. And my son loves to help make it, but he likes to eat it more. You skewer strawberries and fluffy marshmallows alternating then you skewer marshmallows and blackberries. And when you set out the kebabs in the form or the shape of a flag, uh -huh. it just looks really fabulous. That yes. is cool. Then I like to drizzle with 
dark chocolate sauce or sea salt caramel and they're loved by all. I think it's like the best summer sweet without any guilt, right? Because I, I can justify a marshmallow any day. Um, <laughs> and that uh, that recipe, if you want to call it as such, but all the inspiration, once again, posted at dailylounge.com. All right. We'll get a link up on our webpage. You got to check this out. Jamie, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you so much. A a fabulous weekend and a very delicious summer to you. Delicious indeed. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. We are at goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Mayor Christina Mern will join us talk about the just-concluded U.S. Conference of Mayors annual meeting, which was held right down the road in Columbus. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.